listening to Heard on Hive. Just one more time. One more? Just a okay, you are now listening to Heard on Hive. This week we are talking about creative businesses, all the different types of creative businesses out there, and maybe some tips and tricks as how to run a creative business. Can everyone introduce themselves first? I'm Simon Barros. I work on Hive. I had an events company before kind of doing parties so did you yeah 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 yeah. so i'll be able to give that sort of aspect or angle on things great um but that's me i'm jane saunders i do the communications at creative skill set but i'm a freelancer and i have also run several businesses you've reminded me of one of them being a business called domestic bliss what do you think that was about Cleaning. Yeah, I was thinking cleaning. Yeah, spot on. Kieran. Was it? <laughs> and dining. That was a great name then as well. And domestic bliss. And how did it go? Yeah, really well. I sold it for fortune. Nice. In the nineties. Is that when you bought your house in Camberwell? Yeah, it was actually. Oh. Yeah. It's done all right. I'm, I'm yeah, quite. I'm, I am very excited to hear about domestic bliss. Um, well, yeah, my name's Kieran, um, and I've been with Hive since the start, so it's, I've kind of helped make it uh, a business. So I could talk from about that. I'm also trying to start my own startup called Barafox at the moment, which is uh, an app in the kind of uh, online world. So I can also talk about that from a business perspective. Wow, you guys are experts at this. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to hear about domestic bliss. <laughs> uh, if we could, if we, if we could start in the '90s and what a and, great uh, name as well. Work our way up. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited. Jane, what will your tips be then for starting a business? My tips are um, ha- really quite boring, but very basic. But the things I've learned along the way, I've had a few businesses that have failed, and but what I've learned from them is that I didn't have a plan, a proper plan. So really important to have a plan. So the plan for Domestic Bliss was to target the, the yuppie audience. We had a 18-month plan to go in, to do all of the work ourselves, because what people were complaining about, and it's interesting now, given the status of where we are in the country, people were saying, we don't want foreigners to come in and clean our house. So so your angle was, we were, we're English. English. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. So lesson learned is have a target market and yeah. find out what their need is. And we sold the business and we made quite a lot of money. But part of the reason we got out a little bit earlier and planned was we actually employed somebody who was brilliant, but actually happened to be not English. But she was absolutely amazing. But she broke something in somebody's house. And although we were insured, this person started to spread a lot of bad negative but we were getting out anyway so it shows you once we moved slightly from our primary purpose we got caught a hugely long way of saying my tip was have a plan stay with the plan but be ready to be flexible be always prepared to be flexible and what we always used to do was we used to say to ourselves we have to have we have to get at least once a week we have to get a new client and within three months we actually had to stop taking on anybody else because we couldn't take on any more people so we always had a target every week which doesn't sound a lot one client now but then there wasn't really any spread any immediate spread unless you spoke to people i i I think that's great like i mean that's business 101 you identified a target customer you said what your differentiator was and then you guys set yourself a target to if you hit it then you made your made your money so I think that's for anyone starting a, a, a business out there there's three very good good lessons to start with 
if it's not your passion then you're gonna feel it's just another job whereas if it is your passion you're, you're happy to do it and you're happy to do those longer hours and kind of like with Jane it was, it was different because when I used to do my parties all the big house nights used to be on the Saturday nights so I said let's do something on a Friday night yeah it went from there really um, didn't have much of a plan to be fair kind of knew what we wanted venue artists then from there we just did marketing and I just did like loads of weird things to try and get people to get people down I suppose from 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 Hive, if you look from a business perspective, you had to go about it in a, a different approach because you couldn't really start the business from day one. So from Hive's perspective, it was all about getting as many users as possible. So what we needed to do is make a website that appealed to creatives. So first and foremost, they needed to be able to profile themselves better than any other kind of professional networking site. So the obvious one being LinkedIn. So from our point of view, we want to be able to let people put all their work into, into one place. So that was the whole idea between a Hive profile is as a creative, I can put everything here, feature my best work, link to all my social media accounts, but let this profile work for me so that I can tag it so that I can get notified when a new job comes on, a new person comes on, or a new course comes on. So it becomes this powerful thing. Um, and then from a business perspective, we want as many employers on Hive and we want them to be able to discover all this great talent. So a bone to get them in the door was, look, our jobs board's completely free. So for the first year or so of Hive, you could post as many jobs, posts as you like, completely free of charge. So you started to get to know Hive. So now once we got a decent amount of users and a decent amount of profiles we were able to be in a position to charge businesses to to put their jobs in hive because we were confident that when they put the job up there that we could match them to really exciting talent and we were able to do it at a pretty competitive price there therefore we were able to start kind of building the the business from that but in order for that business to to start we needed to get to a decent a number of users so now we're in a place where we have 65,000 members and growing at about 150 people per day that we can now start to do even more exciting things than say just a vacancy but we can start to look at companies and say look we can run loads of exciting competitions with you you can start to use all these great creatives in lots of different ways but the main thing at the start was we need to get as many people into uh, through this door as as humanly possible so yeah the lesson is that ultimately the business element of your business may not be you might not be able to do it from day one so find a way to 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 make it happen as, as quickly as possible but yeah i think understanding what the market need is and is, is really really important go back to what simon said about passion i'd echo that because I mean, it seems so obvious, doesn't it, when people say, well, you've got to be passionate about something. It seems like, well, yeah, well, we know that, else I wouldn't do it. But the tr- I think there's a real difference between having a passion that me- means you you believe that, that you will succeed whatever the difficulties or, or uh, problems that might come your way through through your business, which, which if they don't come your way, then you're doing something wrong because every business has to have some hiccups for you to learn I think I think it's different between that passion and those that just because which I've been very guilty of in, in my life where I've, I've just sort of thought of something and thought god that's brilliant you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna set up a removals firm that works with local estate agents and goes in and does cleaning out houses on the day that they move out because that's what I'm gonna do without thinking you know and, and I think I believe I'm really passionate about it and I've got it's but it's the difference between that and actually loving something and wanting but wanting that product or that service or um, that interest of yours to have a life and to grow it's very different from that sort of oh, I've just I've just hit on a good idea type thing which I think feeds into what Kieran was saying about 
identifying it and connecting with it and but but also yeah like the excitement factor should always be there for you like obviously a business is it's exciting when you make money but the, the excitement actually can be the, re- the reward of reacting with a client like for so for at hive when you find out that someone's got a job or they won a competition like seeing their reaction is amazing or when when uh, a client comes to us and they run a competition they're like wow look at all these really talented people or you see you see a job post go, go in recently and it's got 70 people applying for it you can see all the live applications that's so exciting and that wants you to drive to do more and more and more um, and it gives you it gives you that buzz in the office the same way that say oh you made a sale a sale does and i think if, if you have that passion and excitement then it's gonna it's gonna really drive and really help your business grow the lesson is to try and be disciplined and there's i suppose the this kind of from a startup business perspective you've got the the lean canvas model and 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 the theory behind that is is you you, you pick one idea and you test it out and and if it works then you you, you try and increment on that idea so i suppose the lesson is try not to do all every idea at once but focus on on one thing test it if it works expand on it and, and kind of go again and if it doesn't work stop and start again yeah i, I mean i i think what i'd add to that is that i think when you set when you do a startup or you've got a new idea or any something like that and obviously the biggest issue is often cash flow unless you're incredibly fortunate and somebody's invested in it but for most people it's cash flow so you don't have um, you know, probably spare money to be able to go. Well, I'm going to hire an accountant or a financier or a marketing person. Or so, if my strengths are in product development, do I need somebody then to be able to manage the the sort of financial side of it, or even be look at raising capital or the and my experience has been that people don't often a lot of people don't want paying for this because <laughs> people like to be involved in something at the beginning so i think um don't stretch yourself too thin don't think you can be uh, a jack of all trades so play to your strengths so if your strength is in product design or product development or pr or marketing or deliverables but you know uh, like i see i know i'm not very good around um I'm not very good around budgets. <laughs> I just know it, and it doesn't matter what everyone wants to tell me. And I, but I know that without a budget, I'm pretty decimated. I absolutely understand the importance of it. But when I'm about, to, I've just started crowdfunding. I have got someone else to do the budget for me. It's pointless for me to sit there and do it. I'm not gonna. I'm not. It's not. I'm gonna get it wrong. It's just I've got no interest. Um, but I know it's 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 the integral part of a project. And I find that if you reach out to people, just within your own networks, you'll find somebody who'll go, yeah, you know, like you make a, uh, a, a short film or something. We made a short film and we were fortunate we had big names on it, but we got it. everyone else was just came on board because they want to do it. And I think it's true. People like the idea of being part of someone else's creativity and passion and ambition and drive. And as long as you're not asking them to commit full time, but you're just asking, and people like to be asked for expertise. Okay. People, people go, oh, wow, you think I'm good at it? Well, that's nice, you know. So I think don't be afraid to say I'm not. That's not what I can do. But I th- let's see if I can find someone else. And don't be selfish. If you're trying to start off something on your own and you realise you're not an expert in every se- mm. field, offer them something. Offer them a percentage and stuff mm. because it will start to get off the ground a lot more. It will motivate them. Um, and I yeah, you've you've these days because a lot of businesses rely on technology. Um, for those type of businesses, you kind of tend to need 
three types of people you need you have, have the technological expertise to, to build something whether it's a website or an app you need someone as jane said who can do finances who can budget plan who can model things and then you need someone who's a communicator who can kind of talk the talk sell the business um, and explain it to people and if you have those kind of three core elements in place then you, you tend to have a, a pretty sound uh, base for a business and when you're putting your message out there if you can make them laugh at the same time then that gets you further <laughs> i used to do like funny memes and stuff like we did one thing i'm not too proud of this but i'm gonna say it anyway for the purpose of the podcast so we had an instagram page and when we was in king's cross there used to be this homeless guy sitting downstairs and so i went downstairs to lunch after lunch and i've ri- ripped up this cardboard piece of paper and i was like um i'm hungry and i'm homeless um and i want to buy a ticket for tetra state which is the name of my event please give generously and i made him hold it up i gave him some money for it took a picture of it on instagram and, and it went on facebook and everyone was just like absolutely laughing cracking up and then um i got in trouble with the the manager's artist the artist agent actually emailed me to say that's absolutely disgusting i can't believe you've done that i was like i'm very sorry so um yeah perhaps don't take it too far when you're trying to think outside the box yeah well i think so i'm talking about is like pr stunts and and things like that at a, a basic business level you want to be able to once you identify your customers are be able to, to 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 say why you're different but i suppose when you're going out uh, at a mass communication either b2b or b2c level it helps to to look at obviously you've got your normal avenues of communication you've got your social media channels your offline uh, marketing channels but uh, there's obviously ways to stand out from the crowd and there that's when you get into pr stunts and uh son's just giving a flavor of what's in his um playbook so you've heard from some of the hive team but next up we spoke to some of our hiveians on twitter to ask them for their business tips and tricks my name is Britt Steele and I have a company called Cult Mountain. It's a new artist emporium, so we focus on UK artists and designers from the sort of underground art scene because I think there's so many young designers, there's so much talent and that's not getting exposed. I think the mainstream market is all just like high street, sort of goes from Primark to Gucci and there's nothing in between. So I thought I'd set up a business exposing all these young British artists, which is so much talent. Doing that for about four years now, we had a shop in Hackneywick for a year and a half and then we moved to Bethnal Green Road after that where we had a shop and a cafe and an art gallery all sort of meshed into one so that's basically what I do and then I'm a stylist as well so I do stuff for magazine editorials and adverts we've given so many people exhibitions and since then a lot of our arts have really got big super big like people didn't hear about them before and then heard about them through us and now they're sort of traveling the world, being a big full-time artist, which is great. So I'm really pleased that we were a bit of a step ladder in their career. So I'm really happy with that. The main difficulties were the legal ones, because you end up dealing with lawyers and landlords and things like that, which is really difficult, because everyone's out to sort of take your money, I think. So you have to be quite sharp with that. There is ACAS, which is really good for if you hire people. So it's all, you know, like work employment laws and things like that. You know, it's small things like if you have someone working for you, 
how long their lunch break should be, what's the minimum wage, stuff like that you don't really think about. So they're really good. And if there's any dispute and stuff like that, you can ring them and they really help. The biggest challenge, I think, is being a creative person running a business because it's quite like the business is very full on from a business point of view. So, you know, legal point of view, admin, stuff like that, which I think creative people don't really like doing. They just like being creative people. So I found that really difficult as a creative person to all of a sudden just become like an admin person who was just doing emails and finances and then also another thing that's difficult is just financially to see if you've made a profit and things like that because I know a lot of creative people if you do something that you love it's hard to put a price on it but you really need to look at how much time things take you and what you're actually earning at the end of the day I think definitely the first thing you need to do is work out your figures for the business plan because we sort of went into it just you know, you just sort of think passion is enough and, you know, you love it. It's going to be great. Everything is going to work out. And then you sort of go, oh, whoa, okay, we totally underestimated that. So definitely know your figures at any time. Um, and definitely before you start, see what sort of money you need to be pulling in to make a profit because you need to pay yourself. And I think a lot of people do start their own business. They sort of run it on love for the first while, whereas you, you need to be able to pay yourself or else it just becomes too stressful. And then also your location, wherever you're going to do it and know your target market and very well. I think now, especially with the sort of political climate of no one really knowing what's going on, it's all a bit scary. The creative people need to sort of stand together and just be stronger and be more creative than they ever were before. So things can move away from corporate and support local. I think that's really, really important. My name is Savannah James-Bailey. I am a producer with my company, Fox Cup Films, and I also work in development at a company, ironically, called Sly Fox Productions. Can you tell me a bit about how Fox Cub Films came about? It kind of came out of nowhere in that I hadn't really intended to set up a company. I got involved in making short films with a graduate of the NFTS called Morris Caldera, who was a writer studying there. And in the final year, the directors have the choice of either partnering with a writer or writing their own content. And that year, all of the directors wanted to write their own pieces. So he had a great script as a writer that no one was producing or directing. And I didn't have a company when I did that short. And kindly, one of the producers at school allowed us to put everything through her company. So the hire, the insurance. And then when we were on set, someone dropped a very expensive bit of kit. And suddenly I had this massive pressure of she'd put her trust into us as a production and had lended her company in the name and suddenly I was having to deal with this big insurance claim and feeling like you know she'd put all this faith in us and that I never wanted to have to go through that again where I wasn't fully responsible for everything that was happening I didn't want to risk anyone else's name so I decided to set up Fox Club Films found out that it cost £13 to establish a company they don't check who you are, you can do it online in about five minutes. So I did it on somewhat of a whim and then from there learned how to run a business. So I was 19 at the time, I was still studying at university, I was studying biochemistry and decided that this would be a very sensible thing to do. So Fox Club Films was born. 
And how did you have the, the kind of business know-how or knowledge to go about that? I didn't, to be honest. I sort of learned it on the way. I guess some of my main tips would be things like get an accountant, because I tried to do my own accounts for a year and it was a horrible nightmare. I think I've always liked to throw myself in the deep end and just working out to swim quite quickly. And I found there was an amazing amount of support. And even just the act of having done it and taken that risk suddenly you find yourself in a position where people not give you more respect but they there's something about that sort of entrepreneurialism that people are impressed by and having a company as opposed to doing producing as an individual does just give you a sort of a platform I guess. What sources of support are there available for people who are just starting out? I mean the internet is an amazing resource and I think I learn most of what I know through just reading about it online, buying books and trying to get bit of knowledge that way sort of self-taught but you know I think the main thing I'd recommend is to speak to people who've done it before and that's something that I've in the last couple of years started to do much more because I think particularly producing is quite a lonely business in that you're supporting everybody else on the production and no one's supporting you and actually creating a network of other producers who can support each other has been really valuable for me. Is your business profitable? Fox Club for the last couple of years has been doing short films which, as any filmmaker know, are not particularly profitable. It's more been about you know, raising the money for each project, keeping afloat, moving the company forward so that now I'm in a position where there are future films on my slate that look like they're going to happen in the near future. And it's mainly been about getting me to this point, really. So I do work for, um, or I have over the last few years, worked for other companies as well in development um, as a way of keeping money coming into Fox Club. Um, and then... Yeah, just I started probably on my third short, just made a pledge to myself that no matter what the budget, I was always going to take something for Fox Club and for myself, even if it's minuscule. Because I think one of the risks when you're running your own business, and particularly as a producer in film, where often the incentive isn't money, it's the film. The first thing to cut from the budget has always been my salary and Fox Club's overhead. So I think the first three films I was making a loss because you just want to put everything you've got into making it the best it can be. And if that means sacrificing you know, your fee, then that was what I tended to do. But then I realised that's totally unsustainable. And just sort of made a yeah, promise to myself I wouldn't let that go on because I think that's a very important thing to learn early is that it is a business and even if you're not necessarily in it for profit if you want it to go on in the future then you need to start thinking about it as a business. What's been your proudest accomplishment? That's a very difficult question. I'm proud of every film I've worked on and they are really like your babies. You put so much time into them, so much energy. And I guess probably the thing I'm proudest of isn't a specific moment or accomplishment. It's more that I think I have built really good relationships with talent and it seems like people who work on one production really want to come and work with me again. Um, and I really like that as an ethos. And when I set Fox Club, actually this is a tip I'd recommend for people. When I set up Fox Club, I wrote a company ethos, even though you know it was just me in my bedroom with my £13 paying for the name. I wanted to have a sense of the direction that I wanted to go in and a sort of clear roadmap so that if opportunities came up that maybe were going to be profitable but weren't really what I wanted to do, then I'd have this ethos to go back to. So I wrote that you know I wanted to make films that had something to say about the world, even if in a very entertaining way um, and I wanted to make sure diversity was at the key of what I was doing I wanted to nurture new talent and the final thing was that I wanted to create these good working relationships and be a company that people were happy to work for they take years of your life and if you don't really love the people you're working with 
and want to have those conversations with them every day and have those seven hour long meetings, then the whole thing will fall apart. The producers that I look up to who are kind of at the top of the industry now all started out at a time where music videos and commercials were very, very profitable and they got into that and then the vast fees that they were being paid for that allowed them to get into development of fiction, film and TV. And that has just fallen away now. So starting out now, it seems like, you know, web content and um, sort of online commercials and stuff. One of the things that a lot of people are doing uh, when they're trying to start their production companies, the thing is you have to do a lot of work for each one and they don't pay that well. So I made the decision that that wasn't the route I was going down. I was going to, I'd rather work in development and learn those skills than spend all my time chasing the next small job. It's an industry where there isn't a lot of money at the bottom. You know, you can make a lot of money once you get up to much bigger studio sized productions. But at the bottom, it's a lot of people scrabbling around for not a lot of work. So I think, yeah, the challenge is working out a strategy of how to stay afloat and how to keep pushing things forward incrementally and just allowing yourself the time to do that. Getting funding, particularly for short films, which is how I've started out, is almost impossible. But you just have to persevere. And I've managed to raise money for everyone I've done through just whatever means I can. I've gone through public funding, so Film London funded one of my shorts. Um, I've had private money. I've had charities give us money. I've won money through competitions. Crowdfunding. Basically any anything that has been available. It's all very opportunistic. But I think the key to all of that has just been if you have a project that you love and really want to get made, you've just got to keep talking about it. Because if you let people know that you're after money, it's amazing how many doors people will help you open. So even if you're just hanging out with friends at the pub and there's someone new there that you don't know, pitch them your project because they might know someone that has money that they think it will strike a chord with. And then in terms of business funding, uh, I've not actually had any funds to develop the business, but I know there are some out there. And I think particularly down the private investment scheme, if you're looking to set up a company now, it's worth speaking to an accountant and seeing if you can set up an SEIS, a company under the SEIS scheme, because I know a lot of people that have done that successfully. And it's a, a structure that allows sort of high net worth individuals to invest very low risk into new businesses that require capital of under 150 grand. So it really saves them money in, or it protects their risk um, and allows you to access those funds with great rewards for your investors. My main tip is probably just to do it. I think there's a lot of reasons to put off doing stuff and probably in retrospect, I was a bit reckless in how I went about setting up the company, but it paid off and you learn very quickly. And I think that had I not done it then, if I'd actually started learning more before I did it, then it might have put me off because I might have been a bit overwhelmed. But I think that just having that attitude where if you if there's something you want to do, just do it. There's hardly anything you can lose. And the other tip would be to get an accountant. They're my favourite people. My name is Frank Wesley. I'd like to say I'm a designer, but I'm a bit of a creative as well. I, I make jewellery 
and I design custom hats and I like to do a bit of media as well. Cool. Can you talk to me a bit about your, your brand and your yeah. products? Um, so the brand is just a play on my name. My name is actually Frank McJenny, but my, my middle name is Frank Wesley. So, or Wesley. So I, I decided to use the, the Wesley and just kind of do like a Calvin Klein type of thing and, and give it a brand. But it's it's more, it's jewellery, handmade jewellery, some sterling silver jewellery, hats, at the moment and maybe some t-shirts so it's, it's, it's a bit of a, a street brand the jewelry side is a bit more classy I think that's what I'm trying to do with it and the peril or the hat side is a bit more edgy I play around with the classy and the edgy do you know did you ever hear the Shambhala bracelets? You know, the, the beaded, the shiny bracelets that used to, a couple of years back, they were really kind of the, the, the drawstring ones, you kind of put them on and you pull them. Going into uni, I thought it would be cool to kind of just sell those just as a spare time job. Not for anything specific, I just thought I'd like to have a job during uni, but I don't want a proper job. I, I wanted just kind of something quirky. So I thought it would be cool to be selling the Shambhala bracelets. So I started selling them at uni, not, not too much, just a few bits at uni. A customer came back with one that had broken. So I had to kind of go onto YouTube, learn how to do how, how they do their pattern and then resequence it and after that process I thought oh, I could come up with my own designs and change it up and whatnot and from there it just I think that's what tipped it off. As I said I've always been kind of good with my hands for example I always used to kind of print letters on printing paper cut them out like my name and stick them to my trousers or the back of my hoodie or I used to teach dance or I used to do it for my dance team as well so in that aspect I was always fairly creative when it came to that aspect like just off the cuff so I think I just kind of harnessed or had to understand what my strengths were, which was the creative, I'm pretty good with my hands, and then just kind of build on that. So what I did was, with the Shambhala thing, that kind of gave me the idea to, to maybe go into jewellery. So off the back of that, I, I did my YouTube, I go into my, you know, I learned this, I, I educated myself as much as I could, considering that I didn't go to uni to study this. So it's YouTube videos and lots of things online. It was at uni that this kind of came along and I thought this would be dope if I had something of my own that I could kind of build on and turn into a brand and a business and whatnot. What do you think is the most important aspect of running a business or having your own business? Off the cuff patience, I think. It took a lot of patience. Initially, I'd get frustrated if certain things weren't moving as fast as I'd anticipated or if maybe I don't know, something exciting comes up like, I don't know, maybe like a big order or someone's showing some interest and it doesn't fall through. Those things happen a lot and it happened a lot for me earlier on. So patience in 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 just maybe the process of starting up a business and and probably just and persistence and perseverance. And, and that's in the most generic and broad sense. Like if, if I was to go into it, then there'll be more specifics. But regardless of what business I think that you're trying to get into as a startup, I think maybe some patience and persistence just to get you over the first few hurdles then after that I think it's a different ball game. Financing has been my biggest hurdle especially I mean with any business I think financing but considering I was trying to get into jewellery I had to invest in myself I don't have no investors so I was using my student loan to invest in the jewellery so I'd, I'd, I'd have to wait a three month period before my next student loan comes and then I've got all these designs in my head that I just want to get out but I can't because the money's not there to do it but in the same breath that has taught me patience because I've had to kind of wait till I could get the money together to be able to work on things it gave me the time to kind of work on detail what you see here isn't what, what I started off with I started with absolutely bog standard thread and beads and they were just put together and those got me excited at first so I think the biggest feedback was to not make them look as much like the Shambhala bracelets because that's where I started off. So I had to come up with my own design, my own unique twist to it, my own added bits. So I think probably to, to stay away from anything that people know and try and create my own lane, I think.
And would you have any final tips for people looking to start a business, a creative business or a fashion business, a jewelry business? I think be passionate about it. And I think a lot of people say this and you hear a lot of people say it and it sounds basic, but that, that's the only thing that's got me as far as I have got without backing or without anyone kind of consistently saying, oh, you know, keep you know, keep pushing or keep running with this or keep running with that because more, more, more times it's myself. So the passion, I love what I do. I absolutely love it. Even when there's no money or there's no feedback or whatever, I just enjoy what I do. So I think, I think be passionate because that will carry you most of the distance. You've been listening to Heard on Hive. Heard on Hive. Heard on Hive. Remember to tweet us at We Are Hive and let us know what you think of our brand new shiny podcast.